We are changing the global conversation on emotional health and self-love. Our feelings are just feedback, and that feedback is constantly giving us valuable insights as to what still needs to be healed. It is that simple, and it is that complicated. When you continuously follow your passion and do what brings you joy, adding more pleasure and fun to your life, you can't go wrong. You can't fail. I pinky swear that to be true. Welcome to How to Be a Human with Lise Wilcox. I love this conversation. Hello, and welcome back to How to Be a Human, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. I am a conscious relationship coach changing the global conversation on emotional health and self-love, and I have the great privilege of having so many interesting humans on this show just to talk about things that light us up, that are interesting, and provide like pretty killer insights on how to be a human, and today is no exception. I am like borderline fangirling over Sarah Edmondson, who's joining me from Vancouver, BC. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to have you. It's, you know, we live in this Instagram world, right? And whenever you reach out to somebody on Instagram and they write back to you, it's like, this is the coolest. <laughs> like, this is the coolest right? feeling. <laughs> Imagine 20 years ago, I know. what you'd have to do. You'd have to, like, find the person's manager, agent, and write a letter. I know. Send I, it in the mail. <laughs> once upon a time, I studied ancient civilizations, and I did a project oh. on Peru. This is, like, a grade uh-huh. 8 project, but I did a project on Peru, and it never... It never left me that when they wanted to send a message to somebody in ancient Peru, they had to like tie knots on something called a kipu. And then the the ruler would like the messenger boy would run up the mountain and deliver this knotted rope to the ruler. The ruler would decode the knots and then send the kid back down the hill. And I'm like, that's like a two month process to get a message to somebody. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought I turned that off. My gosh. My mom loves to call in the middle of all podcasts. My neighbor likes to chip ice off her driveway in the middle of podcasts. So this could be interesting. (laughs) Well, you said it's conversational and this is so a little taste of my life. My mom calls what we call like we, we talk five times a day. Sorry, mom podcast. Okay. Love you. I love it. My mom, my mom's just figuring out what podcasts are. So. <laughs> Your mom's going to get like a crash course on this. Do you know actually what happened? I'm sorry. I'm just jumping in for a oh, second and then I'll give the reins back. To <laughs> do you. it. Do it. So the very first podcast that I ever did was when I was coming out of Nexium. I know yeah. we haven't even talked about what that is yet for your, for your audience, mm-hmm. but um, coming out of the cult and I w- told a friend of mine, oh my God, I, I, that group I was in. I thought it was really good. Turns out it was a cult. And I was like manic for quite some time. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I was, and was telling everybody I could <clears throat> that I was out because I know people have been yeah. worried. And turns out he was a producer at the CBC. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he <laughs> was like, we should talk about this. Um, I just ran into him on the beach on Hornby Island, one of the Gulf Islands here. Mm. And we started recording and taping and ended up being a, a seven, six or seven part. Do- uh, right on. Yeah. Expose like on Nexium. Yeah. And it, I don't know what it is now, but at some point it had 25 million downloads. Oh my God. Yeah. And the only reason my mom agreed to talk to Josh is because we've known Josh since we were in diapers. And for her, it was like you said, just a conversation. And next thing you know, she's on this like huge hit (laughs) podcast talking about losing her daughter to a cult. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So sorry, mom, you want us to be private, but you're not just like, I'm not sorry. This is wild. (laughs) Okay. So to launch right into that, anybody who doesn't yet know 
like, I don't know, can you be the star of a documentary? Like, is that, is that a fair introduction for you? I mean, it's, it's kind of weird because I've been an actor for 20 years yes. and I've never been the star of anything. Like I've, I've never, I'm not famous in the acting world. I work, but like, yes. I'm not, you know, I've, I've never been a lead on a show. I've, yes. I've, I've had really great substantial roles, but like mm-hmm. I'm not a household name and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Probably what I wanted in my twenties, but in my forties, like it I'm matters okay that. less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then to be recognized for the vow where I'm myself, Yes. you know, I'm just me, I'm, I'm me. And not only am I me, but I'm me going through the most challenging personal oh dark God. trauma of my life. Yes. Um, but sure, you could say star. It makes me feel better. <laughs> well, and as Whatever. I, I want to say again, like on the record, for the record, that it is very important to me that this is not a conversation that re-traumatizes you in in any way. So, oh, for sure. Thank okay, you. good. So, like, I, I will tell you. Yeah, I'll tell ahead. you when there's some things that okay. often come up in interviews where I'm like, eh, I'm just not going to talk about that, or just okay. talk about it from a, like a disassociated kind of yes, you know that happened, not go into the great details. Cause that the details of certain events do certainly trigger me still. Absolutely. It, um, it's legit yeah. trauma. Like it's, it's going to be there for a little while, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, I met you or my introduction to you was via the vow, which is a docuseries on HBO that I highly recommend to people, um, like to everyone to watch and, and twofold, my fascination with the vow and my like, oh my God, just why I'm so compelled to talk to you and really to know you is not from this voyeuristic, like, oh, what happened in this is Nixium. Like what happened in there? My fascination is that I have a master's certification in neuro-linguistic programming. Okay. I have the same training as one of the founders of Nixium. So I'm coming at this from like, oh shit, what happens when self-help takes that dangerous turn to self-harm? And to me, that's really fascinating because that is a fucking human experience, period. So when I was doing my master's training, a bunch of the ladies in my class were talking about the vow and it it became a, a real source of conversation to be like, what are we doing? Like, is NLP okay? And neurolinguistic programming, anybody who doesn't know, it's this, it is a really valuable healing modality. It's an incredibly valuable tool to figure out those blocks that you can't quite identify, why they have such a hold on you, to go back and revisit them from like an observer's point of view at the subconscious level and heal the pain of the, of the experience while learning all the lessons and hanging on to the lessons of the experience that allow you to heal forward and make really good decisions. And when that becomes corrupted, when somebody comes at that as a tool for their own gain in their own way, it's really fucking dangerous because now we're working with the subconscious mind, which is actually where we program and hold all of our beliefs, right? Exactly. And ironically, Keith, uh, Ranieri, the leader, yeah. uh, this uh, former leader, because he's now in jail. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. For uh, like he, 120 years, which 120 is... 120 years, not getting out. Yeah, perfect. He, as we, as I now know, sociopaths love to hide in plain sight and yes. love to tell you exactly what they're doing. Yes. Never suspect it was them. Yes. Right? And he even talked about that, that NLP and the other, the other tools that we use, he said it's like a knife. The knife in the hand of a murderer is very different than the knife yes. of the hand of a surgeon. Yes. So we thought we were these ethical surgeons yes. with this 
wonderful tool. Um, and you're absolutely right. And I can tell you, I've had, I had huge transformation Yes, and with the hand, with people who were ethical the and good to me and yeah. wanted to help me. Yeah. And then that same tool was used later to get me to do things unfathomable that, yeah. you know, I never would have done, but I was already in the system and trusted my leadership and all that crap that we can get into. So in addition to being a part of Nixium, in addition to being a celebrated Canadian actress, you're also now an author of Scarred, which is really your memoir of how you came to leave the cult and become basically the whistleblower on the cult, which has done all kinds of healing forward, I'm sure, for your family, but also for, I don't know, thousands, tens of thousands of people. I think so. I mean, the, the, the book came out a year before The Vow did, okay. and you know, it had a certain impact. And then the vow brought a whole new level of awareness to my story and what had happened. And then again, Sean light on the book mm-hmm. and, you know, people reach out, I'm sure like they do for you with your book, you know, probably I'm, I mean, anywhere from like two to 10 a day mm-hmm, saying mm-hmm. either I saw the vow or I read the book or I saw the vow, then I got your book or yeah. whatever. People really want to know all the details. And, and they're just like, you know, it, rain, it ranges from um, because of what you because of sharing your story. I realized I was in either an abusive relationship yeah. or a high control group or whatever, and I'm leaving. Or I, it helps me understand what happened to me 20 years ago that I yeah. didn't know what that was, and now I know I've been gaslit by a narcissist. Yeah. Or thanks to the vow or your book, I was starting a workshop and I had red flags and I would have continued right and on. then I left because of the vow. And I'm like, oh, like. I get goosebumps when I say that because, yeah. you know, as shitty as this last three years have been since yeah. leaving and 12 years in, like 15 years of my life, yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. Right? Like, it's yeah. just fucking worth Can I swear on this one? Uh, yeah. It's okay. currency. <laughs> All right. I'm such a potty mouth, but you know Same that. here. Same here. Cow. It's um, like, um, I know. <laughs> I try not to. I owe my son $208 for every swear that I started this around the time that the vow aired, which you can tell. Oh, I can, ma- I can only imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, I do swear a lot. But, um, yeah, no, it's been very rewarding. And, um, you know, that was my goal from the beginning to provide a template for yeah people to have awareness, to, to never enter in the first place, these types of dynamics, mm-hmm. to wake up if they're in it and to leave. Okay. I love this. And I want to dive right into this. That's, mm-hmm. that's what hit me at the very beginning of the vow, at the very beginning of reading your book. And, and again, from my own interest as an NLP practitioner, as a master level coach, as somebody who is like so committed to being of service to, I call it emotional alchemy, to take all the shit that happened in the past that was dark and heavy and unwanted and consciously transform that into something light, golden, beautifully, uniquely your own. I feel like that's what really hit me is that I was watching this, I'm reading this, I'm watching this from a, uh, or observing this just as a, as a keen observer of the human experience. And I think that like that first delineation point of self-help versus self-harm is are you encouraged to trust your gut or mm-hmm. are you encouraged to hand over blind faith that somebody else knows better than you, right? Totally. In fact, I was writing a little list just like to be prepared um, of, of like, what's the, what's the difference? You know, when yeah. does it go from, cause there are healthy organizations where you can do personal development yes. and, you know, work with a coach like yourself and it's healthy, mm-hmm. you know, but when do you, what, what are the, some of the red flags in this specific 
field, specifically yeah. coaching, specifically somebody helping you. And that was actually one of the first things I said is that if they say, um, you know, you're like for us, like they did in Nexium, you're going to feel the urge to leave. And yeah. that's really normal because we're, we're confronting demons. We're confronting yeah. real demons, but we're confronting yeah. shit that you haven't looked at. You're going to want to be like, I don't, I don't want to look at this. And you're going to want to go. Yeah. That's normal. Come talk to a coach. But what it was doing was saying that those feelings, you had to override them. If yes. you were truly going to be committed to your success. Yeah. Which we said every day, by the way, we are committed to our success. Yeah. Clap, bow, thank you, Vanguard, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. Whole set of rituals and rules around that. Commitment. Which then normalizes and creates a new neurolo- neurological pattern of emotional safety that when you get entrenched in that new neurological pattern of safety that, oh, I feel fear and my response is to tap back into that ritual of praise, bow, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're in that Knowing what I know about the brain through my own NLP training, your brain can't make you a liar. And then bingo, bango, now we're entrenched because now I feel fear. I have created a new trigger response, which is actually a great idea when you're confronting fears that have control over you that you want to like learn from, but I I will circle back to that in a second. And now we've created this ritual that becomes the new baseline. And when that's the new baseline, now your subconscious, which is always sweeping the environment for signs of danger. Now, anything in opposition to that, like anything that confronts that ritual to be untrue, makes you a liar, which your brain can't process. So now you're entrenched. Uh, like I'm sitting here watching it and it I was like, so holy shit, I can't believe, I can't believe they did that. Like I can't believe the, I can't, Heath and Nancy, had, like I can't believe this happened. And I totally can believe yeah. this happened, but I can't believe. They bastardized the knowledge of how the brain works to manipulate people into that level of behavior. Yeah, because they wanted you, they wanted us to not trust our gut. And I think that's the most diabolical thing that Keith did is is to take that apart. I remember actually, and I I don't think I've talked about this anywhere, but you just reminded me of something in terms of the rewiring. Yes. The, 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 it would often, we often did like EMs or like a process of, you know, exploration of meaning, which right. we can go into to more later, where you'd bring forth a, a phobia or a challenge or yes. a conflict or a trigger response. And, you know, let's say it's something like um, speaking in public and yeah. like people have a fear response to that, right? Mm-hmm. And the facilitator could could like lead them through like, well, what, what scary thing is there a bear? Like yeah. <laughs> what scary thing is actually happening? And the metaphor that was used was that, um, have you ever seen like a light go off in your car that says like your engines, you know, failing and you bring it in and it, and, and it turns out that your engine's not failing, but the, the light is broken. Yeah. So they would say, what if your fear coming up is just a broken light, but there's actually nothing wrong. Yeah. So there's truth in that in some times, some situations. I'm not going to die if I speak in public. Yeah. Oh my God, my adrenaline going off is just my, just a trigger. I mean, you can even do an EM. Oh, yeah. from this time I stood up in grade two yeah. and someone, and I farted and then someone laughed and then I and felt really I embarrassed, rejected. but yeah. like, you know, and you can reframe that with the therapist or, or you know, within the context of an EM mm-hmm. and that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. But when I'm feeling fearful because I don't want to, you know, get a brand on my yes. body without anesthetic, yes. for example, Yes, they can use that to say, it's just your fear. You're totally fine. Yes. 
you know, over, and then, and not only that, they don't even have to say it. I'm doing it to myself. Yes. Like you said, right. So the f- two things for me immediately, and I grew up with a narcissistic step parent. So I, and they're, been several, like that was like the base pattern for me. And there have been several narcissistic relationships that I've had in my life as an old pattern. And I am comfortable saying, I think I healed it. (laughs) Like, I I don't think I need that lesson anymore, but I can speak with a great degree of intimacy, having had true blue narcissistic relationships in my life from business life, family love, like all of the, uh, areas that, is the number one like red flag, I believe, uh, to be true of a narcissist, that they teach you it's not safe to listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. As soon as that comes up to me, I'm like, I am starting to feel triggered by it right now. It's like, as soon as you start to think like, oh, I must be the crazy one. Somebody else knows better. It's like, you need to do a serious reevaluation of what is happening in your life. Right. Right. <laughs> when right. people oh, I- yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that reminds me of the other thing you said at the beginning about, um, you know, assuming that someone else knows better. Yeah. The problem is, is that we are in a society where there are authority figures. Yeah. And when you go to, it starts from the beginning, you go to, you know, school and your teachers are, the, your teachers and they exactly. are above you. And specifically within Nexium, there was this ranking system, yeah. which also at the time, you know, I could, and I could argue what was good about it and yeah. what was helpful in terms of growth and measuring, like I got to do this, this, and this, and it's yeah. really good for my self-esteem. It's not this vague, well, now I'm happy now. So yeah. I guess I could be a coach too. Like it's a measurable to, uh, like result. Yeah. Measurable results, which were great, but it also set up that the people above you yeah. knew better. Yeah. Right. And they could always put it anytime I was upset or had a problem with something, it could always be put back into, well, it's just cause that's you know, Sarah's yeah. just doing her thing. She, you, do, you, do you see how you're being controlling right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you, can you go journal on that or Ugh. work on that with your coach before we talk about it again? Thank you. When people come to me and they say like, oh, I like, I'm a total self-help junkie. I will actually stop them and be like, so that like, if you want to work with me as a coach, be prepared for that story to end. Because like, if you are a self-help junkie, what that says to me is that there is a void. And you're filling it not with sex or food or alcohol Mm -hmm. or drugs or online shopping. You're filling it with self-help and personal development. So it's like that to me that, that like I'm a self-help junkie. I keep looking for somebody else to tell me what I need to be true. There's such a fine line between I am a person who's healing and I look to mentors in my environment to help me heal, to guide me through that healing process. Right. Which again, mm-hmm. personally, I'm like, you already have everything you need inside you. It's just a matter of connecting with those like cros- cosmic breadcrumbs of teachers who help cultivate that within you versus I am broken. I need to be fixed. I have no idea what's wrong or what to do. Somebody else has to tell me. And it's like, oh shit, an entire industry has built itself yeah. around the ladder. That's why it totally makes me want to barf. Like yeah. I know there's legitimate people like yourself who are doing this and that gives, gives me hope. Um, and I don't want to say, but, yeah. but, but there's yeah. this whole, like the whole bookshelf of it and all the, like you said in the email, shysters, there's so yeah. many shysters <laughs> and I can smell it a mile away. I, know, I can smell it. I'm just like, God, and how many people invited me to their essential oils class? I yeah. mean, I can't deal. Like the yeah. whole thing has just gotten out of control, but I, that's exactly what, um, Nexium kind of like, that's another really dangerous thing they did is that 
they would, in the very first five day, in many ways, they offered like huge awarenesses for most people if they were open, you know, about, especially if they'd never done any other work on themselves before seeing a therapist, it could be huge, like resolving old stuff with parents and major communication, communication issues and relationship challenges. And even understanding projection, like there's a whole class on projection and most people didn't even understand what that was, you Mm -hmm. know, so that can be mind blowing, but ultimately what it, I think it was, I think it was designed to do in in retrospect, knowing what I know now about sociopaths and all this stuff, it it was designed to bring up that void Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we all have something like if only I was more blah, 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 Mm -hmm. I would be, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and just general feelings of like lack of self-worth and Mm -hmm. lack of self-love that we all have, have to deal with on Mm -hmm. this journey of life. And really bring it up. So you're like, oh my God, I just don't love myself. That's yeah. clearly why I am more. And then, and then, and then they're like, but we can fix that yeah. in the next 11 day program. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it, it, it showed the problem and then offered the solution to the problem. Yeah. Um, and then benefited from that yeah. financially. And, and ironically, that's another strategy that Keith taught us called shifter. Yeah. It's a, it's, it happens everywhere in the world, you know, is this like the, uh... Like uh, integrated marketing or vertical marketing? I don't know that term, but possibly. But basically, like any time a, a company or organization or whatever um, creates a problem. Yes. And then provides the solution to the problem and benefits financially from that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever and watch you 30 did, Rock? You know, I never got into it, <laughs> but I liked, I liked it when I did. So 30 did Rock I? is really funny. Like re- Alec Baldwin and Tina Fey together mm. is just like what's happening. They had like 30 writers around some of their episodes and they would just sit at the table and fire off like every single line of a 23 minute show is hilarious. So it's an excellent TV show. You just but, have to know that, when, that that was airing when I was in the cult. Oh like, God. There was, no, there was no time for TV, but of I'm course. getting caught up now. Of course, so of course. I'll add it to the list. Okay. If you ever, if you want like the highlights of what you missed in the past 15 years, come to you. Cause I love TV. Okay, great. <laughs> it's spoiler. It's mostly the office, but, um, <laughs> but I was going to say they talk about it in 30 rock. Cause like they run NBC and I think they call it like I think it's vertical integration or vertical marketing. And it basically like, we are a company who sells, I don't know, some kind of brand of chips that is going to give you diarrhea. And we sell you a diarrhea medication. And we do like two back-to-back commercials on our own network. And it's like, perfect. We just sold you the problem. And then we sold you the solution in like 60 seconds or less. Right. And there, and there's some people who know more about this than I do, but like that the parent company that owns <clears throat> certain pharmaceutical yeah. companies that provide the um, treatments to certain diseases yeah. is also the same parent company that owns the cosmetic companies that give you the parabens that causes the disease in yeah. the first place. And then the, like the, the billion dollar ad buy behind why your lashes aren't good enough and why right. you're too fat. And it's like, do, are we starting to see the dots here? Like, are we starting to see how flawed this system is? Right. Which is one of the, like, in addition to providing the, the cult template yeah. that I wanted to with my book, the other thing that I, that I really was hoping to achieve, especially for young women, if they read it is to feel like, okay, I don't have to do all those things. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not broken. Yeah. I don't have a void. I mean, yeah, I can drink green juice and do Pilates, yeah. but I don't have to do it every day to have that That's perfect right. body and boss babe and hashtag That's right. you're the best. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get obsessed with that because I think, again, like I'm really interested in the reach and in the void because I think that part of the human condition, part of the human experience 
is a degree of loneliness. And mm-hmm. some of that, lo- I'm writing a book, a second book on that this year, like about being alone and about finding the truth and beauty that comes from like solitude, right? Mm-hmm. Especially during COVID. It's timing like, for that. Right? Yeah. I know, I know. Uh, and it was born out of being single for a few years, but now it's really like, oh no, there's such a beautiful quality about alone and so much of it, so many of us shame what it means to be um, alone. And it's not shameful. It's just like part of our experience is a feeling of loneliness. No matter how much we want to belong and we're like driven to having this sense of connection and driven to have a feeling like we do belong, which is biological from being a social pack animal. We have to, like our caveman brain feels like we have to belong to the group for our own survival, right? If we're accepted, we live. If we're rejected, we're dead, period. So if we have a deep, deep, deep longing for belonging, that is necessarily going to create a little feeling like of a low-grade loneliness. And sometimes that loneliness is not low-grade. Sometimes it's very pronounced, and we all have those feelings of isolation. But to capitalize on that and, and to be like, oh, you know, you don't want to feel lonely anymore. Here's the solution. It bypasses the reality that, like, you know, what if part of you is going to feel lonely? Period. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we talk about that from an emotional health perspective of, like, what does it mean to sit in the loneliness? Not to fix the loneliness, mm-hmm. but how to support that loneliness and cultivate peace in being lonely, right? Yeah. Yeah, what if it's not a problem? What if it's not? Oh, fuck. Like, what if it's not a problem? Uh-oh. <laughs> then what are we going to buy? Right? Yeah. I know. Who would benefit from that? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing that I was going to say. Um in terms of ENs, it stands for exploration of meaning, right? Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, there's always like what I thought it was and then what yeah. it turned out to be. And what we were told is that it was based on his patent pending technology right. called rational inquiry, um, where essentially you'd bring somebody a a problem or a trigger or something that you had a challenge with that was a consistent thing, not like mm-hmm. a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. Like every, my first thing that I ever EM'd was my, my boyfriend at the time would always leave, this is in the book, I think, leave mm-hmm. dishes in the sink. Oh yeah. 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 Right? yeah. And it was just like, you know, I've always been kind of controlling kind of a neat freak, not OCD, but like jokingly OCD, yeah. you know? And, <laughs> and I would just get like enraged, especially if I'd been out of the house and I came home and it was a mess. And I was just like, and one time I yelled so hard, I, or like growled, I scared the cat. Oh, and I was like, I got it. I knew I had enough self-awareness, yeah. you know, I had, I had read the artist's way and the power of now. And like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I knew that this was not his fault, but mm-hmm. I didn't know how to change it. And so I EM'd it. And basically, so what the facilitator did, and this is a really rudimentary example, yeah. and you'll probably, as a coach, you'll be like, well, this sounds really pretty basic. And some of them were more complex than this, but mm-hmm. I like to show it because I think it's very step-by-step, which is that the trigger is, you know, the dishes in the sink. The yeah. dishes mean something to me. So they'd ask questions about what they mean. And you're kind of like, I don't know. I have dishes in the sink. I don't know, but it pissed me off. And I fucking, <laughs> you know, and then usually if the facilitator asks the right questions, a memory comes up mm-hmm. through the visceral reaction. Mm-hmm. Like if I bring up the reaction that I, that I have when I think about the dishes, that it triggers a memory. And the memory yeah. that came up was when I was two, just before my parents divorced, um, of them fighting over domestic things yeah. and including the dishes. Mm-hmm. So in my little not logical two-year-old oh, yeah. mind, 
I'd put together that the dishes caused the divorce. Totally. Right? Cause and effect. And so all the facilitator had to say was, what if that's not true? Yeah. Right? What if that's not what caused the divorce? Mm -hmm. What if your parents weren't, you know, a good fit? What if they were, they were 26 at the time, right? Like they were so young. Yeah. You know, what if all these, there's other factors. And all I have to do is I have that recognition with my adult brain of dishes. Well, obviously dishes don't cause divorce because Otherwise, everyone had dishes would be divorced. Right? I mean, the divorce rate is 50%. So there's it's a little bit high, of truth it's in there. High. <laughs> so, cut to they would ask you to test the stimulus. Yeah. And I remember going back and like months later realizing that my boyfriend hadn't changed and I hadn't even noticed. Ah, uh, yeah. And then like laughing about what the dishes used to mean. So, exploration and meaning looks at the meaning and, and this is when it's done in a healthy way. Yes. Right. So, that, you know, I, I did thousands of EMs on myself and gave thousands of EMs and love to do it because I love to explore with people what was the, what was the problem? What was the issue with this thing? What was so scary about it? What, what happened in that person's childhood that would cause them to have so much fear around, you know, X, Y, Z, um, and then to dispel that and then to have them say things like, thank you for that time. I, you know, that EM, thanks to that, I yeah. called my father after 30 years and we're now, we've now reconciled. It's, you know, it's things like life-changing that. shit. Life-changing. It, yeah. It's, it's remarkable. And in, like in my work, I do it a little bit differently because we do it at the subconscious level. So it feels like okay. a meditation and it Tell is, me. it's, it's going back. So it's like, you know, let's say we all have like top five negative emotions, right? And negative is a total judgment of that emotion, but I'm talking like anger, fear, resentment, hurt, guilt, shame, like all the really uncomfortable ones. And so in my work, we do like a big exploration of overall context, getting clear on what your values are and like really getting this like holistic 360 vision of what makes you, you, not you, the mom, you, the actress, you, the like former cult member, like not any of that, but what makes you, you, the person, like who is your identity? What is your identity? So getting a real good sense of that and then looking for patterns in like, you know, in my own example, wow, that narcissistic partner kept coming up over and over and over again. So like, let's look at that pattern and let's say, you know, if you're making microwave popcorn, I know that you have like a real love of healthy eating. So you probably don't eat microwave popcorn. (laughs) I know know how it's done. (laughs) But we like, we make microwave popcorn on autopilot, right? Like we just pop it in the microwave. But if you keep getting burned popcorn, you look at the sequence of events and the pattern of events that's leading up to that burned popcorn and you just interrupt that pattern so that you don't, you have to do something differently so the popcorn isn't burned anymore. Mm-hmm. And we can do that behaviorally. We can do that in relationships. We can do that in all that stuff. And sometimes in that pattern, there is a feeling that I am not emotionally safe to do it in a different way. And when I don't feel emotionally safe, I have the same fear response. So I physiologically, I think in Nixon they call it a viscera, right? But you're talking about yeah. Like that physiological response of like, I feel triggered not only in my mind, but in my body. And I want to either like get the fuck out of here, play dead. I want to fawn all over this person or like people please, uh, or what is it? Fight or or fight them. Right. So fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Mm -hmm. If that Mm -hmm. comes up as an, as a legit response, 
your body interprets that fear to be real. And if it interprets it to be real, then for all intents and purposes, it is real. So where I come from is like, how do we create a sense of emotional safety in which that fear no longer has to trigger that response, which in that way, it's so cathartically healing because it doesn't bypass it. It doesn't only use your mindset. We actually go into your subconscious and be like, okay, so if there is a perceived fear that, you know, it's not safe for you to be seen. Here's a great example. I worked with somebody the other day. This is so long. Sorry. I worked with somebody the other day who um, is, is an entrepreneur and she has been dying to explode. Like she's so good at her craft. She's been dying to reach a larger audience and there's something that is holding her back. And she's thought about it. She's like, she's done all the right things. And we went and explored it at a subconscious level. And through that meditative process of like, what is this fear? Like, what is this fear of being seen telling you? I'm able to guide people back without reliving the experience, which is a big crucial part of this without reliving the experience how can you observe when this first appeared in your own timeline and what do you need to learn from it and she had this moment where she was like holy shit my dad was abusive I stayed safe by keeping myself physically hidden Hmm. and all of a sudden we pulled the lessons out of that moment of like so you know, what did you need to learn then? What do you need to learn now? And how do we apply all those lessons to every single point on your timeline where you used to feel that fear of being seen so that we can heal it? We can rewire the brain to create a new or renewed sense of emotional safety so that that fear no longer creates that trigger response. So it's like the more, I think, the more in-depth EM, of, but coming at it from this holistic healing space of what do you need to learn? What kept you safe? What served you that has now become a problem or that is now no longer serving or giving like purposeful meaning to your life and healing from there? That's so good. Yeah. I, I think that, that Keith stole from a number of different modalities yeah. and kind of cobbled together his own thing. Um, the EM was the sort of basic thing. And we talked about that in in the vow. And then in the 11 day on every single day, there was like an anger day, fear day, relationship day, control day. There was what was called a sourcing Mm -hmm. and the sourcing was similar to an EM, but there was different exercises, a using timeline stuff or like, you know, if you could go back and say that to the little girl, these are things that I've since found in other places. But the way it was presented to us is that he, that this was like proprietary tech and Which is insane. These are ancient modalities. I know. I know now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think he he actually, we weren't allowed to let other therapists, coaches, psychologists yeah. in. Yeah. And the reason they told us is because once they saw the tech, it would be impossible not to try to put it into their own right. methods. And that would be watering it down and it wouldn't be ethical right. and so on. But I think it was just because if he had somebody come in who'd taken these other modalities, they'd be like, yeah. wait, what are you talking about? Just this poke isn't holes yours. In it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, this, is, this is other places. This is Buddhism. This is Taoism. Yes, I know. Yeah, cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy. This yeah. is like from yeah. Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. No. That's wild. So, well, and then the yeah. other thing I was going to say for EMs for you, and you know, this is the paradox, right? And this is why I think this conversation is so beautiful. Like self help versus self harm. That work is phenomenally healing. You've seen it in your life. I've seen it in my life. You've seen it with clients. I've seen it with clients. It really does have life-lasting, positive change. It really does. Until it doesn't. 
until mm-hmm. we get to that point of like, oh, you're having, I can see you're having a feeling. Let's fix that. Yeah. <laughs> and also that's another kind of red flag is if, can people yeah. come and go? Are people, yeah. is, is, is it a problem if somebody wants to leave said community or yeah. stop taking, excuse me, stop taking classes yeah. or whatever. And, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that there was, you know, when I was in Nexium. if somebody said, well, here's a, you're in a cult and here's one of the things why I would say I can come and go. Yeah. I can take classes. I live in Vancouver. It's in yeah. Albany. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but what I didn't, didn't see is that there were what we I now know is called planted phobias. Oh, yeah. Um, so like in a cult in a, in a religious cult, for example, it'd be like, you know, Satan will get you or yeah. you're going to die in hell or you're, you'll be blinded or your yeah. family will be smitten or something. Right. Yeah. In things like this, the phobia is I'm not going to be okay if I leave. Like yeah. I have these issues and I will not be able to resolve them if I leave. Yeah. I'll never be successful if I leave. So yeah, people could come and go, but it it wasn't kind what the leadership said about them. It'd yeah. be like, oh, you know, that Sarah, she just, she never did push through her dependency issues. Yeah. And yeah. I know that they said that about me when I left. Which is, it's like, <laughs> again, think about that. What healing modality judges others? Right. It's like, no, that's, that's it's a red flag too. Hypocrisy. Yeah. The hypocrisy of it was, I mean, there's so many things that were hypocritical, which Mm -hmm. is another thing I mentioned on my list is, Mm -hmm. does the leadership walk walk the walk? Yes. Like, you know, are they consistent? Like Nancy would always say how bad it was to be dependent on things. And like, we weren't allowed to drink wine and, um, you know, things like that. But every day she came in with a cup of coffee and it was like, (laughs) she couldn't function without it. And I'm like, I don't have any problem with coffee, but like, I don't understand like, which is it, which is it here? Yeah. You know, um, among other many hypo- you know, hip- yeah. hypocritical things like we thought we thought Keith was a renunciate. We yeah. thought that he didn't need uh, materialism or uh, ha- have sex. Yeah. We thought he was celibate. Wow. <laughs> you know, well, and then and again, like just watching, you know, I know, you know, when you have social conscious proof, you know, like I have I hired a publicist for a reason. So but I have a lot of media names behind my name so that people can be like, oh, She's been on, she's been on CNN. She's probably legit. Right. And it's like, I'm legit anyway. But as soon as I get the the CNN logo on my website, it's like now, Oh, now she's really legit. Right. That, that works. That's like how our brains work. Again, it like goes back to like social programming and biology that we need somebody like nothing has meaning until we give it meaning and nobody has meaning until we give it meaning. Mm -hmm. And we tend to like Mm -hmm. go to celebrities or to, you know, like trusted social names to be able to give us that meaning. But it's like, he knew that and he bastardized it and he just took advantage of it and then gave himself his own accolades. And when you give yourself your own accolades and you really create that persona because narcissists and sociopaths, nonviolent sociopaths, they don't have empathy. They don't think the rules apply to them. They feel like they live beyond the scope of rules. And it's like, oh my God, if the social rules don't apply, you can literally do anything. So if I go out there and I say like, oh, I've been featured on Oprah and somebody just can't find me on Oprah, then it's like, well, she can't be lying. Like she already said that she's there, right? Mm, yep. A hundred percent. Oh man. And and then we did have legitimate things backing yeah. us up, like, you know, the Dalai Lama came. Yeah. You know, apparently they did a five day on Richard Branson's island. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm like that that and then the, and then they quote 
cured Tourette's. Yeah. So we were always looking for these things that would give us, I mean, we knew that the world didn't give us validity, but we yeah. thought that like, and that, there's another hypocritical thing. It, we were taught that there's no victims. There's yeah, no victims right. ever. But somehow Keith was a victim to the <sighs> the world who just didn't understand him wow. and his brilliance. I'm like, and that later I was like, if he's really the most brilliant man in the world, why can't he find a way to have people understand him? Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, like work with the world. Man. Right? Like... <laughs> Um, I was going to say, I, I know all, all these conversations are looping together, which like mm. I love, <laughs> but I was going to say those five day experiences, 11 day experiences, again, you know, I know anybody who's ever been to a retreat knows that those are effective for a reason. They become this like really beautiful and often quite healing peak experience, right? Like you're in it. Everybody else around you is in it. People are there with the same intention. It's like, we're walking through coals. We're like, we're sitting around the fire. We're airing grievances. Like we're doing all this stuff. And I mean, there are huge names in the self-help and personal growth world who make all their millions by doing this, right? By having these like multi-day retreats. Yeah. And what always stands out as a red flag to me when we're looking at self-help versus self-harm is that, and you already identified it, like, oh, you thought the five day was good. You're going to love the 11 day. And yeah. if you've done one 11 day, why not stay for a second 11 day, right? And yeah. why not move here? Like, why not be a part Just of this? Just wait till level two. Yeah. Level two is <laughs> going to blow but, your mind. And again, I, oh I know God. there's I just, truth in that. I know there's truth in that, right? Like, And God, I'm guilty of saying that. Ugh, since you want to bark. Same here. But I did believe it. I'm, I'm like, and I say to people, like, if you, if people will be like, I love your podcast. I'm like, oh, you love the podcast wait till you work with me one-on-one because it's true. (laughs) And when you misappropriate that, what happens is that you create a peak experience for somebody that is not, it feels healing because fuck, I just walked across coals. Are you fucking kidding? You know, like, man, this guy took me from being in a place of sadness and 10 seconds later, I'm in a place of happiness. He must be a guru. He must know what he's doing. I want more of that. But when you only have those peak experiences, particularly in those group environments, you're you think you need it. it you, right. Yes. Well, sorry, you were going to say bypass? You, you bypass what actually needs to be healed, right? Because right. I always come to things from emotional health. Like you're bypassing yeah. what actually needs to be healed from your past. Mm-hmm. And you're now associating any healing that's like so surface level that you experience. You relate that to somebody else who facilitated the, facilitated the experience for you, right? Right. So you, so you have a little high, the peak experience, yes. which is another red flag in, in cults. And mm-hmm. then that high, yeah, gets attributed to the, to the, to the person or yes. the place or the, and you think you need that. And so that was the other irony is like, Nancy doesn't, she's saying don't have dependency, but like everyone here is dependent on everything here yes. to be okay. Yeah. Like some people wouldn't know how to function. They'd be like, I don't know how many calories to eat. Why don't you ask Keith how many calories oh my to God. eat? Like, what? He's not a fucking nutritionist. Yeah. You know, and that was the kind of thing that was going on in my, on my, in my head. Mm-hmm. Like I realized this, um, I, am I allowed to say this? Yeah. Um, it should be fine. I, okay. I was just on Mike uh, Rinder and Leah Remini's podcast, oh, right on, right on. which I'm super excited about. And yeah. you know, Leah Remini's book is troublemaker. Mm-hmm. And I realized I wasn't a troublemaker. I was a good girl, yeah. but in the inside, I was a troublemaker. Yeah. And I was a rule follower and to the point where like Nippy would leave early from a forum. I'd be like, Nippy, you can't, my husband, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't leave early. It's like, so what, what are they going to do? Cut my pay? Cause like, yeah. he never made any money in yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what are they do? Like also red flag of narcissism yeah. just for anybody oh who's God. in like institutional narcissism. That's mm-hmm. a big one. 
Yeah, well, that's the other thing is most people didn't. Yeah. And that's a chapter in my book when Keith reveals that it's all been an, an illusion of. Wow. I was like, oh, you motherfucker. Yeah. I didn't figure it out then. I, could, I was too in a daze. I was in a trance yeah. at that point. I was like, yeah. what? Illusion of hope? Did he just say that? Wow. Um, but I did make money and they used me as the poster child. Like if Sarah can do yes. it, anyone can do it. And if you weren't doing it, it was because you were lazy or you were fearful or you hadn't worked through your issues. So Because you're a cause called. for your life. They have no accountability. And if yeah. there's any, if you can't do it, it must be a shortcoming on your behalf because there's no victim. Yeah. Like it's a, it's like, and I'm going to say this very gently, like on the one hand, it's a perfect design and it's perfect design to take advantage of people. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though there is some truth in that, but right. Like there's some truth in that we are at cause for our life. We do need to take responsibility and accountability for our actions. And if you choose to see yourself as a victim, yeah, very likely you'll become victimized. And also we're not starting with an even playing field, right? Mm-hmm. We have different access, access to different resources. Like we have a litany of different experiences and circumstances that does not create an equal playing ground. And our life experience is not going to be equal for that specific reason. But then to use that against you and be like, well, Sarah did it. So can you is like, it's not, it's, it's true. And it's so not true at the same time. Mm-hmm. I see that in, and people are going to hate this, but oh well. Like, I see that in in multi-level marketing all the time. Oh, yeah. There are, like, two people who are at the top who are shining examples. They're like, look what she did it. If she can do it, you can do it. And it's like, you want to talk about her adrenal failure at the top and, like, what it actually took for her to get there? And how even... it's It's unbelievable. And I look at people who are coming in on on the ground floor, and I'm like, you you won't get there. I'll tell you right now, that's not a limiting belief. It's not a perception the system is not designed to support your success, period. No, it's an illusion. Yeah. It's an illusion of hope. In fact, they need a bunch of worker bees at the bottom. Yeah, I know. To get to get things moving and to yeah. generate a certain amount of, you know, volume coming in. But yeah. it's not designed for everyone to have a Hummer and move to Hawaii. Yeah, I know. I know. That's gonna be an episode in our in our podcast. Good. Good. By the way. Um, okay. Yeah. What else is on your list of like things to look for or when oh. do the, the self help versus self harm slippery slope? Mm. let's see here um oh yeah we when when there's somebody who is at the top and mm-hmm. you know they talk about like most cults have a charismatic leader oh yeah um and is you know everyone's enthralled and yes. i i didn't know this until i read this book called take back your life by oh, yanya yeah. lalich and she's um I'm actually narrating her, her book right now for her I, to be on the audible. I, I was going to say, you just did a podcast with her on Instagram live with her. Didn't yes. You? Yeah. Yes. Right I'm going to have her on the podcast as well right officially, on. but I just love her. And she, um, explains in her book that I didn't know this, that enthralled comes from, I'm going to butcher this oh man. Um, <laughs> that it's, it has to do with being, uh, like enslaved by. Oh, so man. We, we didn't know that. I didn't know this, but like someone's charismatic and they, Hold that, uh, that that's a tool they can use with people, but really the char- the charisma is in the eye of the of the beholder. Yes. So if people see him a certain way and idolize him, or you know, um, ho- hoist him up as this guru, yeah, um, then he can hold an immense amount of power and then abuse it. Yeah. Um, and I think like some people would meet him and be like, I don't get it. Like, what's so special about him? Mm-hmm. And then Nancy would say, Isn't it amazing how he's able to? just bring himself to our level and just be so normal. It like just barf, barf, barf. Right. It's like, that's just, it's so, (laughs) the guy is a fucking schlub. 
He's a right? such a schlub. And then that was turned as like how kind of him to how normalize himself so that we can relate to him as a human versus a god. <laughs> what an asshole. Like how gracious of him to descend yeah. from Mount Olympus and be among <laughs> mere mortals. As, as plebes. Yeah. No, he, <laughs> that, I think anytime there's someone that's like, you know, that claims to have the answers. Yeah. Um, that you can, that you can, and I, I, in many ways, I feel like he knew some of these things and yeah. kind of preempted it and would say things like, I'm, I'm not your guru guys. Yeah. Like if I was your guru, you'd all be doing your goals, which you're not <laughs> yeah. like, it was almost like this faux humble yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I think that even if somebody doesn't want that, you know, um, like other, like, you know, Tony Robbins, I don't, yeah. I've never been to his thing. I've seen his workshops. In fact, mm-hmm. when I saw, I'm not your guru, mm-hmm. I thought that's a well-produced, mm-hmm. highly oiled machine. And it's like, it's like what our seminars look like on crack. Cause yeah. ours was like 20, 30 people. He had yeah. thousands yeah. with bleachers and you know, we had binders. Yeah. They weren't as nice. Yeah, yeah. Did we have, did we have music at the break to pump you up? Yes. Yeah. And that's, and then, you know, we would even, we would even say negative things about Tony Robbins. Like Tony Robbins is all like rah, rah, rock concert. Yeah. You get pumped, you get high and then you come down. Ours mm-hmm. is life changing. Mm-hmm. But I think that, sorry, I tangented. What did I bring that up? Oh, I love oh yeah. It. I, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think, I mean, I don't know him. It doesn't, it doesn't appear that he's a sociopathic, mm-hmm. narcissistic, mm-hmm. so, you know, um, sex addicted douchebag. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's doing his, he's doing his courses mm-hmm. and he's teaching and, um, people, but, but people still may idolize him. Yes. I don't know if he demands that or he, if he asks for that, I don't know. I have nothing to say about it. What, yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is that there, there is a distinction, I think, when, yes part of the culture, like in Nexium, the culture was, you know, oh my God, did you hear Keith is doing a forum tonight? Oh, everyone yeah. would drop everything that they're doing yeah. to be at the forum to see what words of wisdom he might be dispelling. Yeah. And if you didn't come or if you were late or left early or like yeah. I got in trouble once for eating an apple at the back of the forum at 2 a.m. because I was so tired wow. and I needed a little sugar. Um, you know, like wow. it was a, it was a thing. And, and that's a, when, when, when someone is propped up so high, yeah. um, that's, that's definitely a problem. And, and also with no checks and balances, no kidding, and no zero problem, accountability, you know, zero accountability. Yeah. And when that's everybody else is a disciple and, mm-hmm. you know, and, so let's look at some, like, cause there's such a difference between leadership and inspiration and mentorship versus discipleship. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, let do you like Brene Brown? I do. Yeah. So I saw Brene yeah. Brown speak a few years ago in LA mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, she seems like an amazing woman. Her messaging is so beautiful because it is, it is turned back on the individual and it's cause for self-reflection, right? Um, I love Brene Brown and, and by no means would I give blind trust and blind faith to doing whatever Brene Brown tells me to do, right? There's set, and she doesn't demand that. She doesn't no. expect that. That's like against her messaging versus other folks who, again, that charismatic leader persona of like, just do what I say and, mm. you know... I know you feel that way, but it's only because you're feeling this way. So actually just listen to what I have to say to know what you have to say and trust that this is the right way. Right. Mm -hmm. Subtle, but really powerful difference. Yeah. A huge difference. And another episode that we're going to do on our podcast is about the, you know, that I'm an actor, right? So I've been through a number of different acting programs and there was one, I actually just realized this recently. I've been involved now in three cults. Wow. Um, Nexium was the first or the last, but before that was... 
I mean, I wasn't get too involved, but I took Bikram acting. Uh, yoga oh, I was classes. just gonna say, like Bikram's <laughs> Osho. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I didn't do Osho. Although okay. I think if I was eighteen in Oregon, I totally would have joined. Hundred percent. I know. And down because yeah. looked fun. Um, then yeah, I was in an acting program yeah. in the early two thousands. Um, that I've since found out that the leader has been like run out of LA for being a malignant narcissist wow. and just like ruining lives. And it doesn't, and I left because I found it culty and I didn't even have, I didn't even have the language for yeah. it. Like I, I, it was insular and I didn't like how, um, like she just pushed boundaries in a way that like, if you left and this is what happened when I mm-hmm. left, if I left, if people left, they weren't ready to do the work, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, they just weren't brave enough. And that was going to affect their acting careers. Like, yeah. That's just awful. Well, and there's another one that I'm not going to say the name of it because I don't think that's my place to do so, but there's one that I believe is Canadian actually, and was really celebrated by a lot of corporations. And one of the first things that you learn is that when you go back home, nobody's going to understand you, you know, subtext, subtext, we're going to give you a whole bunch of proprietary language to you so that literally nobody understands you. You feel more isolated at home. They feel like you've gone off your rocker or like they need to come in and join you to understand Mm -hmm. and participate in what you're talking about. And it's like, you can do good things within these, like, you know, you can have these good experiences, but when there are all kinds of conditions set up or there's kind of languaging set up or there's an exclusivity and there's that message of like, well, other people just won't understand, right? Or, you know, if you leave, I guess it just, it means you, you just weren't committed to the work. It's, it's so, it's so detrimental. I'm so dying to know what that group is. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you when we hang up because I don't want to say it in public, but. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that. Anything else um, make your list? Anything else on my list? Um, it was spot the sh- the list was called spot the shyster. <laughs> <laughs> the hit list. <laughs> um, this was just like riffing before we well, I was waiting for for Ace to leave the house. But um, yeah, if there's pressure to sign up, yeah. And yeah. and by the way, if anyone's listening to this, I take full ownership that I did all these things. Yeah, I fully was a flying monkey for Keith and yeah. said, oh. Are you going to sign up? Do you know if you sign up in the next 48 hours, you can get yeah. 20% off? I mean, who doesn't want to save 20%? I know. Right? I've bought stuff under that. And I'm like, I know that marketing tool works. And yeah. personally, I refuse to use it because it feels so icky. And I think, whatever. Yeah. But it also, it's taught in many different, it's not, it's not just NLP. It's not just a culty thing. It's like, it's, it's taught by business coaches. It's taught yeah. by marketing coaches. Like it's an actual it, tool and it, I don't think it's right. No, it's not right, but there, it works because yeah. people are excited, and if you don't sign up on your excitement, the feeling fades, and then you forget about it, and you're back to your life. Totally. I get why it's there. Yeah. And, I, and in, you know, people have said to me, God, this one producer in an interview, I said, like, you know what, Sarah? You were a top recruiter for a shitty product, a really shitty product. You know, you should consider sales. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I can't even, like, barely invite someone to a movie. Like, it's just... And I'm not even benefiting from that yeah. movie. You know what I mean? Like, I can't... This, just the whole thing is so gross to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when people try to sell me stuff, I just... I can smell the tactics a mile away. Mm-hmm. I learned them all. I learned them all from Keith. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, know? you learned from the best slash worst. But... Slash worst. But that's the thing, is that, like... Sales doesn't have to be unethical. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't have to be those things. It's. It, it's just a tool again, right? And in fairness, um, you really believed in your product, which is sales, right? Like to really believe yeah. in what you're selling and to cultivate a genuine relationship. Which I don't know. 
observationally, well, that's the, I feel that's like the that's problem. what you're doing. And maybe you can rewire my brain on this. Okay. Um, <laughs> give me a little, ta- little task. <laughs> is that I really did believe in what I was selling. Yeah. I was so gung-ho. I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. And then to find out not only was it bad, but it was like the opposite of what I was teaching. Yeah. Instead of freedom, it was enslavement. Yeah. Um, it's a, it took a real hit to my morality yeah. and to my whole personhood. And I'm still pulling myself like part of me being so public with the book and yeah doc and the podcast because like, I'm still wanting to figure it out help people and that for me that's part of my healing yeah for me well I, you know? I thank you for sharing that and you know for what it's worth I, I, for what it's worth like you believed in serving people you had had an experience that helped you. Like, yes, there were red flags, and I appreciate that. And yes, that is also part of the human experience because we're fucking flawed. We don't get it right the first time, right? You know, I think you say in the in the documentary in one of the earliest interviews that you really wanted to have, and I'm like paraphrasing, but you really wanted to have an impact on the world and really like help people. And it's like, well, that's a cruel fucking joke, isn't it? That you had to go through all of this in order to reach this level of genuine service. But I feel Mm -hmm. like you believed so deeply in what you were selling because you had also had a really positive experience in a lot of different ways in what you were experiencing. Right. And it's like, that's all the good stuff. And I healing this level of healing, it involves so much radical acceptance and so much forgiveness. And the, the, fucker of it all is that like once you hit that next level of like okay I forgive this part of me and I really accept this happened it's like oh beautiful you've created such safe emotional space that now you have to go deeper or you don't have to you can go deeper and like forgive other parts of you and I feel like from where I stand that's going to be a part of your healing experience the hard part I would guess and I really I want to ask you this question is like you know this kind of modality can be so healing it is so effective but now I wonder if you're in a position where the healing also becomes its own trigger because it violated your trust so dramatically before hmm you mean in terms of um just the concept of healing the the concept of of healing and self-development and I mean self-development oh self-development from a place of like we are healing forward and here I am now and I feel like I'm still learning these lessons or I'm still practice, putting the stuff into practice. Like, what what's your level of trust like for your own... It's so personal and if that's too vulnerable... No, no, not at all. Okay. I told said from the beginning, you can ask me. Honestly, if I put myself out there like this, there's really nothing you can ask me. Um, I'll tell you. Um, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a journey. Like, the first couple people that I spoke to... Um, like, for, first of all, I have to heal with people generally who have experience in this domain. Yeah. Because even just certain words, and I also got this from Yanya's book, mm-hmm. certain words are triggers. Mm-hmm. In fact, even for me, the word trigger is a trigger yeah. because that we were taught, we, we taught NLP, we taught how to change states, you know, with triggers. And yeah. we taught how to bring a trigger that was a problem and, and change it into something else. And, um, just like I said, the industry is a trigger. The, yeah. um, I don't, I, I had to really find the right therapist and I mm-hmm. have like a team now. I have, right a, on. I have yeah, I have two cult specialists right that on. I speak to, um, regularly, not so much now, but in the beginning, um, I have like a energy healer, right spiritual on. coach, 
you know, who does all the other, what many people would call woo-woo, but I don't care. I just, it's I real just and it. it works. It got it's me real through and chemo. It works. Yeah. <laughs> I feel good. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then Nippy and I have a couples counselor who, right who we love, um, to work on everything else. So, you know, I think as long as people are open to bringing up, like to work on stuff with me as it comes up, yeah. um, like, let me give an example. Like th- there's just certain ways of even asking questions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you need to as a counselor, a therapist mm-hmm. or a coach that are similar ways of, of what we used to do. Yeah. So that can just, it can just feel, it can just be like, Oh, don't ask me. Like, don't, yeah. you can't ask me that. You yeah. can't ask it in that way. Yeah. Like just to say, what do you mean? Yeah. What, what do you make that mean? Yeah. Is yeah. A, such an overused yeah. thing. Um, and, and generally, if I, I, I feel like I'm pretty trusting again. Nippy okay. and I um, actually just recorded our, the intro to our podcast, and we were saying how much we, you know, for all the shitty dark stuff that we've gone through, mm-hmm. we've have just been exposed to so much abundance of light and right love on. and care, like not only an equal amount to counteract, but mm-hmm. way more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're just so grateful. And, and, and I'm, I'm very, I'm very, my faith has been restored yeah. in terms of trusting again. Uh, and I just, I'm just not going to join any groups. Like yeah. I'm not going to join a group. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to, from now on, always research better someone's credentials. Yeah. I don't, I don't really feel the need to like grow, yeah. I guess is what yeah. it is. It's yeah. like I, personal growth was such a thing. And I was on this hamster wheel, Yeah. but I'm like, I'm more into and this is, is a type of growth. It's just a different word for me, I guess, but like just more into like settling into who I am yeah. and not trying to like, like I was always trying to change things. Like, yeah. I, you know, the control, the control stuff. I'm like, I need to work on this. Like, I don't like who I am. And yeah. versus like, you know what? I don't care. I, so what I have to sleep with earplugs mm-hmm. and I mask like, <laughs> how is that a problem? That's who I am. Yeah. And you know, Look, I don't, it's just, it's just a lot of less of a pressure on myself, I think, to constantly being like critiquing yeah. myself, which doesn't feel good. Well, it's presence, so, right? It's shifting back into yeah. presence and letting that mm-hmm. presence be enough of your growth. Anybody mm-hmm. who's trying to practice presence knows that is next level growth. <laughs> like like yeah. to, to be able to stay in the moment and keep yourself anchored in the moment. Yep. We're talking like ascension here because that's, mm-hmm. that's a big ask to be able to, to be in the now and have that be enough. Right. Mm-hmm. I interviewed somebody recently, um, uh, Caleb and Kara Campbell and Caleb is a former NFL player and he's so open about, you know, he was at practice and from what I understand, like practice is everything in the NFL. Like it, it secures your spot. And, you know, he's had like the best practice of his life and he's feeling really good and he's feeling really confident. And they go back to watch the game film together. And the coach is like, if you fucking do this shit again, you're done. And, you know, he's sitting in this peak experience in his own life. He's fucking made it to the NFL. He's a West Point grad and he's in the locker room being like, it's not enough. Like when does when does it become enough? And I, I feel like that's what you're saying. It's shifting back to now and be like, now is enough. Hmm. Yeah. I always find that very mind bendy. Yes, now is enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
Am I going to get that in the package? I, I listened to your interview with Molly and I heard about there's a package. Do I get a package too? Or do you, you, have, to my, you have to be on my show and then I get a package. My, I'll, I can send you my bundle. <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm like, I need a bundle. Wait, but you're gonna be a, you'll, you'll be a guest on our podcast. Send me your address and I'll topics. send you one, no problem. Oh, so but does it say that? Does it say that in the bundle somewhere? Uh, somewhere in the book it says that. Because like my book, it, it literally is, it's a self-love manifesto. And it's an instruction manual that I, this is so, again, like I actually want to speak to Mark Vicente about quantum physics and how to like make I that. I connect you if you'd like. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, because like I wrote the book that I needed in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. So like How kind of you for yourself and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, this sounds so arrogant, but I think it's also so funny no, every well, now and to. every now and then I pick up the book and I'm like, Holy shit. That's good advice. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah. least you wrote it. <laughs> like, of course you connect with it because it's exactly what you needed to hear. But and I, also you shouldn't be writing anything else. Really. <laughs> Otherwise you're the shyster. You can't be a shyster. <laughs> You're not a shyster. You're the real deal. I am, I am the real deal. I am not a shyster. And I definitely walk my own talk. I literally read my own advice and take action on it. But um, but I talk about the feeling of enough a lot. Because, again, you know, the first 35 years of my own life, nothing was ever enough. And, you know, like the, that wake-up call for me, which, you know, I, I kind of joke. Like, we call it a midlife crisis and we shame it. I'm like... Let's celebrate it. Because if you have that critical point, that crisis point of your life of like, what the fuck have I been doing? Let's celebrate that. And then that's like rewrite the stories and the patterns that came from there, right? But from my own story, it was like I had that wake up moment of like, oh my God, nothing will ever be enough for you until you are enough for you. So that feeling of enoughness, that story of not enough is so intimate for me that, yeah, Presence, I think, is like the antidote to be able to bring yourself back to present and, and really believe. And sometimes you have to like say it until you can believe it, right? But like, I am enough. I have enough. I trust love. I just trust myself to be here now. Have you had a chance? I totally agree. I'm tangenting, but have you had a chance to finish um, my book, Bunny Chance? I'm halfway. And I don't, I'm halfway. Have, okay, wait. Hold <laughs> yeah. on. I, I'm opening up. I'm opening up something in my office here. Give me one second. Okay. I'm going to make a noise. I have sound sound panels, but they cover my bookshelf. Oh, yeah. Move them to get to my book. Okay, so I got my book, and I'm going to read you this something really quick. Okay. Okay, I didn't have this lined up because I didn't think I was going to do this, but you just... I can see your book and my book in a stack right now, like looking back at me. (laughs) And I promise I'll read yours before you come on. (laughs) No, I don't. uh, okay, ready? Here. Oh, dear. Healing. Sorry, I didn't. I was going to find it. Um, I, think this, I think this resonates. Mm-hmm. Let me just say this. Healing after a betrayal takes time. Mm-hmm. It's a deep wound that can easily be reopened. Telling my story, albeit imperfectly... And doing what feels like the right thing, even in the face of great adversity, has been the best way for me to heal. I hope what I've learned will help others, how to spot danger, to avoid abusive relationships, Mm -hmm. to have the strength to leave, and to know, no matter what anyone else says, you are loved, Mm -hmm. you are whole, and you are already complete. 
wipes tears from eyes. That's so, <laughs> that's so beautiful. And it's so true. Thank you. I got Yes, right? You're taking your own advice. It's so beautiful. Future, you wrote this for present. Two years. I'm like, that is such good advice. It is. Fuck, I wish I'd known that when I was 16. Which is why you wrote it now. And if, like, let's get Mark on the show and he can tell us if this, how to, like, tap into both timelines at the same time. But it's like, future you wrote the book for past you so that present you can experience the wisdom. Yes. Absolutely. I Good think you're us. amazing. We're, 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 <laughs> no, we are amazing. <laughs> I think you're amazing. Oh, thank you. So I haven't even met you. Oh, this is like such God. a bonus of COVID, don't you I think? Know. Just I to totally like agree. have this platform and ability to meet amazing. I mean, I, I feel the same way about Molly. You said yeah. to say hi, by the way. Oh, yeah. Molly <laughs> I told her I was doing your podcast. She said, say hi. She's amazing. She's like, coming on the show too. It's just great. Like, yeah. I really want to start a club. Not a cult. Yeah. <laughs> I would join this group. For what it's worth, I yes. would join this group. <laughs> you know what? We've talked about it. Like, on a master, like a mastermind. Yeah. Just, like, get together, get a whiteboard out, yeah. brainstorm, help each other. Yeah. Um, I have, I've been threatening to do that with... Um, do you know... Do you follow Kelly Wolf? Kelly Wolf <laughs> is also going to be on my show. Because I found her... Yeah. I found her oh, through you. Kelly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kelly's amazing. Yeah. And we were, we've been threatening to do it, do do that as well. We just, you know, kids and everything. But yeah. um, why did I? Oh, yeah. We, we want to do that together because our, we go for walks and it's like that. We kind of back and forth and yeah. we don't necessarily coach each other, but it's more like, well, what about this? And, yeah. you know, it's it's like coaching light with friends on it's holding that I, space right yeah and i feel like people like to say like-minded it's it's not it's we don't want to be around like-minded people that gets a little bit culty for yeah, you yeah, know yeah. pun intended but um it's yeah, a really good point it's, it's like valued we want yes. to be around like valued people and i have done podcasts and i've written posts about like beware the female empowerment brand like be where it is buyer beware it's like you want to be around people who support your growth because they value you as an individual there's no they don't feel threatened by you they don't feel superior to you that's I would argue that's very rare that's a very rare Mm -hmm. dynamic which is why like the benefit of coaching is so huge because it's it's unconditional or the condition is you pay me and I hold that space yeah. for you, right? Friends, it's harder to hold that space. Yes. But well that you actually just pointed something that I hadn't realized is that why it's been tough for many of the people that I met in the mm-hmm. program, like why we can't have normal healthy friendships yeah. is because of the ranking system. Yeah. And the authority like, I don't need to be that anymore. And they're like, you're not my green sash. And like, I don't don't care. But like, it's, but my friends that I had before and friends that I've met since like Kelly, um, no, I don't think I'm better. I don't feel like she thinks she's better. But when I was in the cult, I did think I was better. Yes. I was walking around thinking I know more than anybody else. Even like the, you know, I started ESP in, with a, in a different relationship than within the nippy, the guy I married. Mm-hmm. And we tried to see a counselor just before we broke up. And I was like the whole time rolling my eyes going, this guy doesn't know what he's talking <laughs> about. Like I know way more than him about the human psychodynamic and he can't help me. So that was $200 wasted. Um, but I was wrong. It's actually the same guy I see now. Oh, wow. With Nippy, and he's amazing. And, and I'm like, I'm so place. sorry I judged you to 15 years ago. God, that's you, so you interesting. Great. Which, by the way, a story I have to tell you really quickly, because I know we're 
we were, we're almost up, but I have mm-hmm. to tell you one of the reasons why I said yes, even before I looked you up. Yes. Because your podcast was named How to Be a, How to Be a Human. <laughs> yeah. And so if you've read, so I know you've read half of the book. So um, David, which is his name in my book, mm-hmm. not his real name, my boyfriend that I started. Oh, yeah. Um, same guy that left the dishes in the sink. Yeah, and by yeah, the way, yeah. we're still friends Aww. and I and I love him and he's like the best mm-hmm. and just just amazing. But we had a fight before we broke up and I'll never forget this because he was in Nexium too, right? Mm-hmm. And we got one of the problems with dating in Nexium is that we'd kind of like weaponize the terms and yeah. kind of coach each other and just be assholes generally to each other, yeah. all of us. And we got into this fight and he was he said something like, you know. You know what? You know what module you, the classes are called module. You know what module you need to take like five hundred times. Crime and punishment. No, I said this to him. I said you need to take crime and punishment right now because you are totally punishing me with a surplus, which is like a method. Yes, yes. And he goes, you know what module you need to take? How to be a human. <gasps> Sarah. <laughs> oh my god. And I will never, ever forget it. And we laugh about it all the time. Oh, that like, that so was his funny. biggest thing to me. You know, <laughs> so you know, funny. You don't even know how to be a human. You're so mean. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, God. I hope this didn't trigger you when I reached no, out no, to no. you. No, like... I actually thought it was a sign. I thought it was, I felt it was That's a pot. So I'm like, funny. I'm going to do this because I need to learn how to be a human. That is so funny. Oh, my God. At least Wilcox can teach me. <laughs> These Wilcox can show you how to tap into it on your own and can help you guys. (laughs) Where can people find you? New podcast is coming. And where can people find you? Well, um, Instagram, Sarah Edmondson, uh, like son of Edmond. Yes. Um, And the the podcast will be out by the time this is aired. And it's called A Little Bit Culty. Best name ever. looking at the difference between dysfunction and devotion in in all of these topics we've been talking about today. Right on. And um, it's with with Nippy. Nippy and I are doing it together, which has been really fun and healing. He's also very handsome. And I've been like dying to tell you that since we first connected on Instagram. He's like, you are a beautiful woman. He is a beautiful man. If he was here, he'd be like, it's just science. (laughs) Because he has like the quarterback jawline. I know. I know. And this is like the irony of this too, is that I was such a like high school drama nerd Yes, and never would have like landed the quarterback. And here I am. So it all, you know, I, love I fulfilled that. my childhood fantasy, <laughs> my husband. Um, yeah. And, and he, he's, yeah, he's great. He's been amazing during this whole thing. And, and we're, I'm so happy to have a project with him. That's yeah. positive. That's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's, man, like, what an honor, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Thank you for having me. I, I, we probably could go on for hours, <laughs> and your <laughs> listeners would be like, um, it's supposed to be like 40 Enough. minutes. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank you. I'll come back anytime. <laughs> there is no magic formula, except knowing that the magic formula is that we are all figuring this out, that there is no real end point. Each and every one of us is in a process of self-creation. What if there is no right way? What if there is no wrong way? What if there's just your way? How freeing would it be to know that every decision you make is the right decision for you? Can you love yourself enough to detach from outcome or from judging that things are good or bad and accepting that they just are? Yeah, you fucking can. <laughs> 